Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Well, good morning, everyone. For those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Tiffany Jones, and I am the student ministries pastor here at Shoreline Community Church. And I am honored and privileged today to talk to you guys about peace, which is ironic if you know me at all, because (laughs) let's be honest, the word that most people would use to describe me is not peace. Um, I am the person that shows up at like youth conference or for youth conference at like 7 a.m. dancing with donuts. So um, I'm excited because as much as I'm speaking to you all, I'm speaking to myself as well. Um, But today, I am just excited to talk to you guys about peace because let's be honest, who here this week can say, I need peace in my life? Regardless of what's going on, I mean, whether that's the snow or family or anything, I think we can all agree that's something that we all crave. And so as I was preparing for this message, um, I couldn't help but think about how during the Christmas season, we talk about this tension, right? We hear the word expectations versus reality. Who here has ever heard that when talking about Christmas? Expectation versus reality, right? And I think part of that happens because we have this idea in our head of what Christmas should be. We have this picture-perfect Christmas card, Norman Rockwell. We want the family around the tree and the dinner and all of these things. And then Christmas happens and we are abruptly let down, right? Um, And I think... There are those of us who, if you're like me, maybe you're just trying to survive the holidays. Maybe you're on the opposite and you're like, I just need to get through. Whether you've had something happen or you're just kind of over the craziness. Um, And many of us struggle with what we want Christmas to be versus the reality of what it is. We get caught up in the chaos. The shopping, the decorating, the cooking, the just all the navigating family dynamics all in the hopes that our holiday will turn out how we planned, imagined, or that it'll just be okay. All right, and as I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but think how we do the same thing with Jesus, right? Like, we have this tension between who we want him to be, this peaceful prince, and who Jesus sometimes says he is, which is this sword, or this dividing point, right? And so we we try to reconcile who is Jesus really? And we have this grand expectation because he is declared the Prince of Peace. And if you're like me, and maybe this is just me, I will be honest, when I hear Prince of Peace, what I think is, okay, my life should be easy, right? Who here has ever thought because Jesus is the Prince of Peace, life should be easier than it is, right? Okay, maybe it's just me, Um, but I struggle with that. And so during this season, I think a lot of us begin to ask ourselves, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, why are things so hard? Or if you're me, my tagline I usually say is, something's got to give. It can't be like this forever. Or maybe you say, can't I just catch a break? Like, why is peace so unattainable? right? It's rough, yeah. And so what we do is we, we have these expectations. And so we're stuck in this tension. And I kind of want to look at that. And this sent me into a deep dive in the scripture to really examine who Jesus is as the Prince of Peace, but also what does peace mean? 
And that's what I want us to look at today. In preparation for this message, I examined three passages of Scripture. And some of them you'll think of for Christmas, some of them you won't, but I think they encapsulate a more well-rounded, full picture of who Jesus is and what Prince, what Prince of Peace means. Because I believe that we have the opposite problem with expectation that the Israelites had back in the day. And we're going to look at that through three passages of Scripture, um, Isaiah 9, 6, and then we're going to go to Psalms 23, 1 through 6, and then we're going to go to Matthew 10, 34 to 36. And I chose these because I think they present a more full picture of who Jesus is. It's well-rounded. It also presents that tension. And I think we need to look at that to fully understand. Because as we understand and know, to really see the big picture, you have to look from different perspectives. You have to look through different lenses. So I think that'll help us really understand what we want, but also understand who God is. So beginning in Isaiah 9-6, it says, For to us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, I love this passage, and it's probably one of the most frequently quoted scriptures, I think, when we come to the Christmas season. And I believe it's important to understand, because what's happening here in Isaiah is Isaiah as a prophet is prophesying to the people of God hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus comes who Jesus will be. And he prophesies that Jesus will be the Prince of Peace. Now for Israel, they are under oppression from the Roman Empire. So when they hear peace, they think freedom from the Roman Empire. And so they, they begin to expect Jesus to be this person that is different than what we would expect today. And historically, in Hebrew, the original term prince of peace is shar shalom, which means the one who secures peace. So when Isaiah prophesies that Jesus will be the prince of peace, he is instantly set up to be counter to what the rulers of that day would be. The Israelites have experienced that rulers and, and peace came through conquest and power. Whether you look at Nebuchadnezzar or King David, all of the peace that, that they have received or they have seen or they've seen from neighboring countries has happened because of conquest and power, not peace. So this initially sets Jesus up to be a disappointment to his people right? Because the people of God aren't wanting a peaceful prince. They don't want that right now. Um, they want a monarch. They want somebody who can annihilate their foes and restore Israel to the glory that they're supposed to be. But instead, they get Jesus, this peaceful baby laying in a manger. And as he grows, he does not remove the Roman Empire from oppressing them. They get something that they never expected and sometimes wouldn't even say they wanted, right? But the peace they're wanting, they believe, should come from that ruler. It should come from someone who favors and saves them. So when Jesus arrives and doesn't follow the standard type of leadership that they have seen, they're immediately let down. They've been waiting for someone who will fight for them, somebody who will protect them. And Jesus does that but not in the way they are used to, right? So 
they have the opposite problem that we have today, right? Because let's be honest, most of us, we want that peace. We crave that peace. We want that. And in fact, throughout most of Jesus's life, if you look at, at his life that, as it's chronicled in the Bible, Jesus's life as a leader is more reminiscent of what David talks about in Psalms 23, which says, it should come up in a minute, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid because you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort and protect me. Now, I don't know about most of you, but I hear this and I'm like, I can get behind that Jesus. Like, I love that Jesus, right? Because as most of us know, like, we love that beautiful, calming picture. We want that Prince of Peace mentality. We want that life with him as easy. And who wouldn't desire that imagery to be their sole reality today, if we're honest? Which is actually, like I said, counter to what Israel wanted during that time in history. But if you read your scripture, you know that Jesus is not a one-sided coin. There is another side to him. And, and in fact, many times throughout history, throughout the Bible, the words, the actions he takes can be looked at as harsh or, or difficult. And it can sometimes invoke a harsh imagery. And our society and culture, we struggle with that, right? Because we want that peaceful prince, but we struggle when Jesus can be seen as harsher or more difficult. And so I want us to reconcile the shepherd, that comforting savior, and the sword, which is going to be our next passage we're going to look at, which is Matthew 10, 34 through 36, where Jesus describes himself. So before we read it, I want to give some background. What's happening here is Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's talking about who he is. And he says to them, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Now, if you're me throughout the week, I would be lying if I did not say that when I read this, I responded and was like, hold up, what is happening here? Because God, I know who Isaiah says you are. He says you are wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. That's who you are. But then over here, you say, I'm a sword, and a man's enemies is going to be members of his whole household. How do I reconcile this tension? And that's kind of what I want to look at today. Because let's be honest, this statement that Jesus says, there are no calming streams here. There are no, like, peaceful meadows. And for a moment, I was like, okay, I want that Jesus, right? But after studying this and thinking about it this week, I came to this conclusion, and I think it's something we have to remember this Christmas season when thinking of Jesus as the Prince of Peace, and it's this. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, but the peace he brings is not what most people expect. And that, that would be our first point today. See, at Christmas time, we hear this slogan, peace on earth, right? Goodwill toward man. 
or you hear world peace. And most of us, as humanity, I think, can acknowledge that the world is not as it's supposed to be. I think we can all acknowledge that there is brokenness, there is hurt, maybe even in your own family, if you're like me, um, or just in general. And so you struggle with that. And we can say, okay, this is what we need. And we acknowledge on a variety of fronts that there are different kinds of peace needed in the world today. So what are the three types of, of areas of conflict that we see in our lives today? Well, first you have inner conflict. All over the world today, people are struggling. We struggle with insecurity. We struggle with doubt. We struggle with fear. If you're me, you have struggled with anxiety since you were a kid. And the science and mental health professionals will tell us that there are a variety of fronts in which we need different kinds of peace. And that Christmas is the most depressing time for a lot of people because of unmet expectation, familial loss, and stress. So there is inner conflict. That's one. Second, interpersonal conflict. Whether in history, in the Bible, or today, people have always struggled with people, right? Like, we consistently have struggled. There are family conflicts, there are coworker conflicts, there are friend conflicts. We even struggle with strangers. I joke with my husband that only a day after we give thanks for what we have, will we all go out and crush someone to get the latest toy or gadget to buy for the Christmas season and gift to someone else in the hopes that their Christmas expectations will be met. And so you have this struggle of people against people, right? And during this season of peace and goodwill towards men, we often disappoint each other when we fail to meet those unspoken expectations. Then finally, international conflict. Let's be honest, when we think of peace on earth and we think of, of peace in general, we think of world peace. And throughout the world today, across the globe, conflicts and wars have raged on for years. And that's nothing new to any of us. It wasn't new in the Bible and in history back then. It isn't new now. And I believe when we look at these conflicts, especially during the Christmas season, whether you struggle with inner, inner conflict, interpersonal conflict, or global conflict, international conflict, we begin to say, God, where are you? Why are you not showing up in my life? Why are you not following what Isaiah said? Where is the peace that you have promised us? Or you could be on the other side. Some people say, the problem's everyone else. If everybody thought like me and acted like me and listened to me, nothing would be an issue, right? And the thing is, when we, res when we respond from either of these ways, whether it's, God, where are you, and we doubt him, or if everybody just thought like me, what happens is either response, we can't reconcile those expectations then for who Jesus is. And so the question then becomes, how do we resolve that tension? How do we resolve the shepherd and the sword, right? When life doesn't seem to go how we want it, when things don't align, when we are struggling with the reality we're facing. And what we have to understand is that while Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the peace he brings is not what most people think of or expect. But I think it is our most pressing need today. And that's peace between God and humanity. See, the problem we have with this idea of Jesus is we forget this. Peace comes at a price. 
see many times, we love that beautiful shepherding Jesus. We love the protecting and the comforting in our lives. We love, like I said before, the beautiful streams and the calming meadows. And a lot of times we forget that there is a price to be paid, that Jesus paid the penalty of our sins, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? And we love that. And we'd love if that just stopped there. But here's the thing. The story doesn't stop there. We have to choose him in return. And there's a cost for choosing him. What Jesus is telling his disciples in Matthew 10 is that all who are in right relationship with God, all who are in peaceful relationship with God, all who have chosen him back will face persecution for following Jesus. There will always be a struggle. And I'm sorry to stand up here and tell you that it's not going to be those peaceful meadows, but it doesn't mean we're without hope. See, the cost for many of us to maintain that peace that we so crave, that we so long for, the cost for many of us is to maintain peace with everyone, regardless of the circumstance. See, in Romans 12:8, it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, this means that the natural repercussion for following Jesus is that people within our lives who don't, or maybe people who don't agree with us, there's going to be that uncomfortability. There's going to be that division, right? Because we'll see that happen in our holidays, in our families, in maybe even in our own marriages. Whatever that might be, there's going to be that tension. And see, I've seen this time and time again working with students. So what happens is a student will come and attend church with their family. And then they hit that 18 to 24 range, right? Like, and they begin deconstructing their faith. They begin asking themselves, okay, do I really believe what my mom and dad have said for years, what I've heard in church, what I've done, or did I just tow the company line, right? And suddenly the holidays become a battlefield. It becomes a minefield of questions and conversations. Do we go to Christmas Eve service? Which I do highly recommend you do because it's going to be awesome, but that's a side note. But it becomes questions like, do we attend Christmas Eve service together? Do we pray over our family meal? All of these questions then begin to be had. And we begin to question, how do we have peace in this minefield? How do we have peace in the struggle? And I want to say it is, however, to have peace with these difficult conversations. The reason we know this is because it's what Jesus modeled to us on the path to crucifixion. Jesus is in a very intense and troubling situation on the path to crucifixion, and yet he's still able to provide comfort and love to those around him. We see that with John and Mary, we see that when he comforts the criminal on the cross next to him. And Romans 8.11 says that the same spirit that lives in him lives in us today so we can do the same thing. So there is a road to peace amidst the conflict. But to get there, we have to understand this point. Peace isn't the absence of disruption. See, the problem we have with peace, the thing we crave the most is we want a life that is easy. We don't like disruption. Who here loves uncomfortability? Right? Like, there's a reason it's uncomfortable. 
Being at peace isn't living without disruption or conflict in our life. Christ never promises that. Now, Isaiah says he's the prince of peace, but he doesn't say your life will be easy, without difficulty, without division. Instead, what he says is in John 16, you will have trouble in this world, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So what he's saying, what Christ is promising us is that while life might be difficult, you have this division and this sword, there is peace in our shepherd and savior. We can reconcile those tension by saying, okay, God, my life is a struggle right now and it's hard and I'm struggling. Where are you? But you know what? I know you're going to be there. That's how we reconcile that. See, to live a life without disruption or conflict is a life of passivity. And that's something Christ never modeled to us. Christ was always acting and moving for the kingdom of God. So in this Christmas season, to follow Christ in this disruption, in, in division, in difficulty, what we need to ask instead is, what would you have me do to grow your kingdom? Because that's what Christ asked on the passive crucifixion. While saying, okay, Lord, if you would let this, this cup pass from me, please let it be so. When he doesn't, he says, what would you have me do? And we have to ask that same thing. And it's hard. I'm going to stand up here and say, you know, Christmas is hard for me. It is a harder thing from a variety of reasons, from familial things. It's a tougher season than most. And so I will be the first to say, I would long for that peace. I would long for that ease. But that's not what Christ has called us to. And so in those moments, we have to stand. And by standing, it means we endure. But we don't endure alone. We have peace amidst that struggle. So then the question becomes, how do we do this well during the holidays? Because it's one thing to agree with this statement. It's another thing to put it into practice. So how in our holiday season, within our families, around our friends, or maybe even alone, do we do this well? And to do this, we, we do the next three things. First, we pray. We pray for those that we need to see and value as Jesus does during this season. These could be people we've overlooked. These could be people we've written off. These could be people that maybe we just don't want to interact with. And we pray for them consistently. And I think the band's going to come back up. And we're going to break out into prayer in just a minute. But second, we plan. We make a plan. We will all hit times during the season, I don't care who you are, we will hit a time where we are triggered. And what that really means is someone will say something or do something that will press into a past hurt or wound that you have experienced. Sometimes it's intentional, but a lot of times it's unintentional. And I want to call something out. I want to say it is not sinful or unloving to be triggered. It is okay to be triggered, but what we can do is we can choose how we respond by making a plan ahead of time so that when that happens, we can say, okay, rather than responding out of hurt and, and anger, how can I respond well to love them in this moment, right? How can we respond as Jesus would respond? And then finally, we let go of control. Last week, Pastor Dwayne said, I think it was two times, it might have been three, nothing changes your life like a baby. And I am the mother of a four-month-old newborn who is not wanting to sleep right now. And I can totally affirm that he is correct on that. But if you know me, you know I love control. 
I love my nice, neat little bento box of life. I love when everything has a place and a place for everything. Have you ever tried to make a four-month-old sleep? It is not successful, I can guarantee you. I have sang Bicycle Built for two so many times. But here's what I will say. To let go of control, it doesn't mean we get what we want. To let go of control instead says, okay, God, I trust you. I believe in you. I believe that even though in this moment it's hard, and I'm going to admit it's hard, and that's okay, but God, you're going to be there, and you're going to show up for me, and it's going to be okay. And so today we are called to let go of control of our holidays. Whatever we have been holding on to, whether it's that picture-perfect card or, okay, God, if they just could tell me they love me as I need to hear it. If that's what you're holding on to or any of those things, we let go and we trust that God is going to be here. Um, so as the band comes back up, and I know we're going to have prayer teams too, I just want us to focus on these three things today. How can we be praying this Christmas season? How can we be making plans? God, what plan would you have me put into place? How would you direct me and guide me in this time? And then finally, how can we let go of control? How can we let go of control personally, but how can we help others as well? What a great message that was and an opportunity for us to just practically reflect on what that means, you know, what we expected Jesus to be. And he comes to us in the way that we need, not always the way that we expect, but he's everything that we need. So whatever you need this week, pray that you remember the Prince of Peace. I do want to encourage you to grab those Advent devotionals that are out in the lobby. You'll see them out in the basket. Um, there is also a digital copy of that available if you go to shorelinecc.com slash advent. Um, you can download a digital copy for those of you that prefer that. Um, have a little more portable version of that. Um, and do make plans to just be here during this time. This is a season of longing. It's a season of anticipation. We're not at the celebration yet. That's coming at Christmas. We're at the season of longing and looking forward with anticipation to the coming. And so we encourage you to do that. Also make plans Christmas Eve, 7 o'clock, we're going to have a one-hour really special candlelight service that night. And then on Christmas Day will be an online gathering that you can watch at any time. It'll be a brief time, It'll be available as of 8 o'clock on Christmas morning that you can watch at any time. And then, of course, New Year's Day. It's hard to believe that we're even talking about a new year some of us are really glad that calendar is turning over, and for others, that's a little bit, you know, concerning. But <laughs> here we are. <laughs> but we want to encourage you as you're, as you're leaving today just to go in that reflective and, and uh, posture where you're considering the things that God is speaking to your heart, the things that he's whispering. What is that one or two, those one or two things that God has lifted to the surface for you today that you can carry with you throughout the week? What are those one or two things and take that with it. Hold on to that throughout this week as you go. Um, today, as we stand, we're going to say a prayer of benediction over each of us. 
And I do encourage you to continue to come forward for prayer if you would like to be prayed for for healing, for these areas of peace that have been highlighted today. Um, these altars are open. You can come and pray around this area. You can pray with someone. You can turn to someone next to you and pray. The communion stations are open all around the balcony as well as here on the floor if you would like to come and receive communion. As we remember the Prince of Peace, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, that brought us peace, was on him. And by his stripes, you are healed. That's what we remember and celebrate and commemorate every time we receive communion. So as we go, we pray God's blessing over you. And let's say this blessing together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. Amen.